Welcome to our special convention edition of the Collier Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. My name is Jeff Spencer, and we are back for day two of the Democratic National Convention, which just ended about 12 minutes ago. Amber, welcome. And what did you guys think of day two of the COVID version of a national convention? Okay, so in all honesty... You know, I think this one felt a little sleepier than last night's, but of course they had to, you know, do the business part of the national convention, which was the delegate roll call. So, you know, that took a little bit, but, um, and, and, and truly, again, this is unprecedented times. I have zero expectation. I wouldn't even know how to begin to deal with you know, change, changing a convention that is normally done in person has been done in person for forever. So, I mean, I appreciated the fact that, um, you know, each state got a little video and, you know, their backdrops were their natural beauty or, you know, something important to that state. And I thought that was incredibly clever and, and heartwarming that the delegates got to kind of, you know, cast their votes on their home turf. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I actually like that part. I no. thought that part that was a lot better than than what normally happens in these conventions, where they just roll around the convention center to different little pockets. I kind of liked the fact that each state kind of you got to see because I kind of started to anticipate. Ooh, I wonder what Colorado will do, or or California, or Oregon. Like, where are they going to choose to? shoot this uh, little segment. So I kind of liked that from compared to what normally happens. Yeah, I agree. The, the normal going around the convention floor and people yelling and whatnot, it, 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 that's usually when you went and took a break. Um, so, so for given that they had to, they had to go through the motions. Um, I think it went pretty well. I think there were definitely some standouts. I felt, Maybe it was just the newness of yesterday, but yesterday I felt a little bit more like, okay, well, what's what's coming next? What's coming next? Um, where I was a little bit more, felt a little bit more normal today. Um, but I definitely thought that um, the end of the night to me felt a lot more weighty. And, you know, in fact, it, I felt like this night was a bit heavy. Um, some of the topics they were covering compared to last night, the healthcare segment and the national security segment, I felt like both of those were very well done and held a lot of weight. And then you ended off with Jill, who I thought she did a really good job. And I especially loved the, the, the portrait that they put together before she spoke. I think that really, um, made a good made a good introduction to her for people who maybe weren't aware and just kind of gave people an insight into who, who they were. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought, um, I, the only, I thought Jill Biden did a great job. Um, I wish the DNC had not gone with her walking into the classroom 
I felt like that's a risky move. And I think it kind of slowed her beginning of the speech. And then I felt like she really closed very strong once she was in the classroom and could focus on delivering the speech. So I wish they hadn't gone through that. I don't think that was necessary. And I don't know that it added all that much to her speech. Um, but I thought she did a fantastic job uh, delivering it and and selling exactly what they needed to sell, which was, um, you know, her view of Joe Biden, her husband, and how she uh, sees him and his leadership qualities and, and everything. So I thought I thought it was really well, well done. I just wish they hadn't had her walk in. I thought that was a little risky and I don't know that it really played all that well. I thought it was it was a strong portrait again of a woman who is going to potentially be first lady. What character does she have? And I think the strength of her character just does more to illuminate the strength of Joe Biden's. You know, this is the woman that they that he married and uh, they've built a wonderful life together. I don't know what more someone can ask for, you know, when it, when, when you want to get behind the scenes and understand, you know, what's, what's, what's in their marriage. I thought it was a wonderful representation of that. What'd you guys think of, you know, we had another prominent uh, Republican uh, Colin Powell, which we didn't even talk about last night. And in terms of coming up and speaking, I thought um, I, I'm a fan of Colin Powell. I personally think that, uh, He's a he's a pretty upright guy, and uh, I was glad to see him see him there making the argument on the foreign policy set. Yeah, to me that section was uh, I was just overcome with the difference in that section, uh, not just with what Colin Powell was saying and John Kerry and the other they had prior to John Kerry speaking. A number of people who were um, familiar with national security um, positions and their opinions of not only Joe Biden's ability, but the, they had some very strong words for the, (laughs) what Trump has done in his position. Um, But when they were going through Joe's accomplishments and the things that he has done in all of his years of service, I just couldn't help but thinking like, okay, so Joe's negotiating peace deals and go Joe's doing like nuclear disarmament talks and all this kind of stuff. Uh, And, you know, all of the experience that Joe Biden has accumulated over the years and contrast that with what president Trump was doing at that time. And I mean, he didn't even care about politics until, well, I mean, it it may even be said that he didn't care. He still doesn't care about politics. He cares about himself. Um, And and we saw some, some pretty critical commentary on that tonight. So I think that, and also after Colin Powell's speech, which I agree, I thought was, was very good. um, The, the partnership between Joe Biden and John McCain. I thought that was really well done and unexpected. And Cindy McCain speaking as well. I thought that really went over well. I agree. I, I, that, I was very excited to see that segment in, in the programming um, because I think it speaks to 
exactly what, you know, I mean, there, I think the democratic party and the DNC are doing a very good job of painting this picture of the anti-Trump. And I think that's really what they're going. I mean, they're, they're giving Americans a lot of, um, a lot of information, a lot of reasons for why Trump is bad on the, on foreign policy, on the economy, on healthcare. They're giving you a lot of information, but in all of that, they're also painting a picture that shows just how clearly different Joe Biden is from Donald Trump. And uh, I think, again, I think it's going to be really difficult for the Trump administration. <laughs> Linda, I'm, your cat. I'm so is... very sorry, America. <laughs> I really am. But this is Ziggy Stardust, and he feels very strongly about democracy. And so he likes to come in when we do the podcast, guys. I will say this. There weren't as many zingers. I felt like in night one... Um, Amber, I think you said it, you said it correctly. This felt heavier. This, this felt, uh, this felt very heavy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. As I laugh, so as I laugh, it was heavy. It was very heavy. Um, I, yeah, I, it, it was like important, like the importance of it. I think, yeah. you know, like it's not, uh, even though I felt like the zingers, it's not like they were trying to be comedians. They were very well pointed, uh, zingers yesterday, but I felt that that people were not, they're not messing around. And um, you could feel that importance, the weight of that. I find it interesting. So I know you guys talked about Colin Powell. And I think as far as America goes, I mean, I've had these discussions with people and, and foreign policy to you and I, as, you know, pseudo policy hawks, we like to talk about this, foreign policy is rather important to us. But I think oftentimes to the average American, that's not something that they're really thinking about. And so I thought that the things that really stood out to me more, having that in my mind, were, uh, you know, early on when, when um, you know, you had real Americans talking about the problems that they had with health care you know, the pre-existing conditions that they were dealing with. Um, I thought it was particularly moving when that young woman from Colorado was talking about um, being treated for Hodgkin's lymphoma and thinking that the Affordable Care Act that was helping pay for her cancer treatment was going to get stripped away from her. That is something that, again, humanizes the things that Democrats are trying to do in this country. You know, it's we're just not trying to take care of everybody. We're not trying to, to pay for everybody. Not, you know, I mean, we're, we're just really trying to help average Americans. And I think those stories, and I think that the, for the second night here in the session, I think they're doing a great job of letting us see, you know, uh, quote unquote, average Americans and the struggles that they face. Yes, foreign policy is important, but at the end of the day, you know, what are, what are average Americans dealing with? I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, I think uh, you were talking earlier before Ziggy was so 
rudely interrupted and it, vocal. <laughs> and it had me think about um, just the portrait that they did of, of the Bidens and the family. And I was kind of comically thinking of, it's almost like a Saturday night live skit of a similar portrait that they could try to put together of the Trump family, like awkwardly sitting around like a gilded table and, you know, just kind of just the difference in their lives and compared to normal Americans and just how the Bidens just seemed so much more relatable. And, um, you know, you take, so- you take somebody that's relatable and well-qualified and both of them have essentially been serving people their entire lives. Um, it, it just seemed to me like that, that difference was pretty obvious when I was watching it. Yes. And again, Jeff, it goes with the picture. They're trying to make a Joe and you know, he's an all American guy with an all American wife and all American family. What, um, yeah, you know, we didn't talk anything really about, um, the two former presidents not getting much play yeah. in, in our discussion. What did you guys think of? So I'm going to, I'm going to tackle Bill Clinton here. I, Bill Clinton has fallen so far out of favor in the democratic party, um, with the me too movement and our, you know, relooking at his behavior, not only in the white house, but the accusations that happened before, uh, that with Juanita Broderick and, uh, Paula Jones, Paula Jones. And, um, I think there was one other one, but one, you know, one too many, um, that being said, Bill Clinton, from a political strategy standpoint, um, and being able to make an effective argument on where the country needs to go, I think, you know, in his little five-minute segment that he did early on, he did the one thing, and I actually thought this as he was as he was speaking, that I hope that the Democratic Party doesn't focus far too much on the negatives of Trump's character and forget to make the argument to the American people of how his actions affect their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think Bill Clinton does this in a very, very uh, compelling and effective way in communicating to the American people. He always, in all of his speeches is focusing primarily on solutions, policies, and uh, fixes, basically, solutions, policy, uh, and um, and not on the kind of cultural or, or um, social aspects of maybe, or the, the character flaws of the other individual. And I think that's what makes an effective campaign strategy is to remind the American voter how their lives will be impacted for the good with your candidate and for the ill with your opponent. And so I thought his speech was, was compelling in that way, but his falling out of favor in the democratic party, rightly so, uh, I don't know that it it will have much traction 
because of you know the shortness of it, the brevity, and when they when they placed it in the programming so early on in the evening. I I, I also thought he did a good job. I think he for the same points that you did. I thought he he really laid out the case for why we're in the mess we are in and why we should not be in that mess that we are currently in. Um, and he made some very effective points about that. And, you know, with all the points, all the things you said, obviously I agree with about him, but um, I didn't think, I, I thought that his was pretty good. Jimmy's, I was a little disappointed that they, that they just went with the voiceover. Um, I'm sure there's a reason for that, but I felt like it, it separated me from what he was saying a little bit where I felt like I kind of wanted to see, see him speaking, even if it was just a little bit. Um, but that was just, I don't know, maybe that was just me. Um, no, I wanted to see him too. I was a little sad that we didn't get to see his face and his wife's face. Yeah. I think, I think that was probably a decision. Um, you know, I mean, he's 90. No, I know. Whatever, ninety four, ninety five, yeah. and I know he he's had some cancer issues yeah. and and um, and whatnot. So, you know, it could have been a situation where he, um, you know, where delivering it or giving him an opportunity to to record it uh, is better than um, than the alternative. And um, but I do agree with you, Amber. I I think it did. Uh, not being able to see him speak kind of disconnected who it was. Um, you knew who it was mm. just by the sound yeah. of his voice. But I feel like when you can see the person every once in a while, it, it kind of brings you back into focusing on what is actually being said. Right. And so, um, but you know, it's, I, again, I think most of the speakers who, who spoke were, were, were pretty good. Um, you know, they, I don't know that they were as good as the first night, but then again, um, you had some pretty strong speakers on the first night. Yeah. So, and half of the night, really. I mean, it was almost half of the night that you had the roll call and that whole uh, situation. I mean, it right. was a good maybe third of the night. So, you take that out of it. And if you want to talk about digs, Bill did get Miss uh, former President Clinton did get a little dig in there when he mentioned the fact that. Um, uh, President Trump had to have his name on the checks yeah. to yeah, make that was it actually seem good. like they were coming from him. Yeah. I was like, yes, I agree. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. So that was a, that was a nicely placed little it <laughs> 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 was good. Uh. Oh, there was just there was a, I mean there was there was solidness. I guess maybe what we're what we're uh, hoping for was, I don't know, a little bit more fireworks. But again, I think this was overall the business end of the yeah. Democratic National Convention. Yeah. You know, getting that paperwork out of the way. And I, I'm sure the energy will come up tomorrow. Yeah, but, well. You know, with the exception of Jill, because um, she's just marvelous. Yeah. I, I may have a girl crush on her now. I really do. <laughs> I think I had a minor crush on her before tonight, but I have a major crush on her now. She's pretty fabulous. Yeah, I thought um I think you're right. I think today was probably of, of the four nights would be the the slowest or the or the lowest of the of the four, uh, due to the fact that they have to do so much of the formalities of roll call and, and getting that out of the way. Um and you know, tomorrow 
we've got a an extremely heavy lineup tomorrow um, coming up with uh, Hillary Clinton speaks. You've got uh, Obama. Obama speaks. Mm-hmm. I think you have Kamala Harris speaking. Yep. Warren. Uh, Elizabeth Warren speaks. And oh, Warren and so Hillary. many heavy hitters tomorrow. I'm excited. Yeah, tomorrow is going to be... I'm actually interested to see how they play this. I, I wonder, with so many heavy hitters, um, how do you... Where do you put them? I mean, do you put Obama... You have to put Obama last, right? Just like you did with Michelle. He's listed but, last in the speaker lineup. Or, well, I don't know if it's a lineup, but just in an announcement of speakers. But would you put him after the vice president? I don't I know. I think you have to. Just I think you I- have to. In 2008, when Obama was on the ticket and Biden was on the ticket, Biden went and then Bill Clinton gave the keynote on the Wednesday before Obama took, uh, took the stage. So, yeah, it seems to be pretty yeah, traditional that you're, you're putting the, the vice president candidate uh, doesn't hold the, the final slot there. Well, um, it, gotcha. The thing that I think is, is exciting is we're talking about these heavy hitters, all these Democratic heavy hitters. Well, if you look at the list of the major speakers for Wednesday, out of the eight that they have listed, six of them are women. So that's pretty impressive. How I many... Like- how many female heavy hitters are there in the Republican Party that they're, you know? True. I'm waiting. I like it. I'm still waiting. I, like I don't know. You're All right. still waiting. I'm still waiting for the list of the of the of the heavy hitters from the uh, Republican Party. I don't know who they're going to get. Um, they're going to they're going to get St. Louis uh, Pride and Joy. They're Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gun Toten, Mister and Mrs. Pew pew. Absolutely. So. Uh, Republicans, you have that to look forward to. Woohoo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know what uh, Linda is talking about, the Republican National Convention decided to invite, and I believe allow speak, the uh, couple who armed themselves with an AK-47 and a handgun and stood outside their mansion while Black Lives Matter protesters uh, marched past their house uh, earlier this year. So the, that couple is, has been invited to the Republican national convention. So, yeah, and who I believe has legal action against them for, for what they did. So, you know, all right. So absolutely. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. We we'll got see that. How that's going to turn out. All right. So all we'll, right. uh, we'll go ahead and end it on that note. This is the end of uh, day two of the democratic national convention, Amber and Linda. Thank you so much for being with me as always. Life, yeah, it wouldn't be anywhere else. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everyone, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have 72 days left until Election Day, so please set aside 15 minutes a day to help elect Joe Biden. It will really help. Hope everyone is staying safe out there. Until next time, so long.